need a bigger boat. Snakes. Why did it have to be snakes? Life, uh, finds a way. Welcome back to Spielberg Chronologically. This is the podcast where myself, Jeff, and Eric. Hey, it's Eric. I'm Eric. We go through. Yep, we figured it out. <laughs> However many episodes in, and we now know who's who. We're going through every single one of Steven Spielberg's films in chronological order. And uh, again, we are we are on the uh, tail end of his career here. And this week, we watched War Horse. And we say the tail end like he's done. He's not done, right? Well of our uh, of what is cur- we're getting close to modern day we are How about that we are yeah we're in in uh recent times shall we say yeah and at some point we'll have to circle back he he and 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 do whatever new movie he comes out which we'll totally do yeah i think at this point we don't really know beyond the fablemans right like there's no announced he's doing a bullet uh, a movie a um you know familiar with the movie bullet steve mcqueen Oh, vaguely. Yeah, I mean, I, I know of it. I think he's doing like a remake or a version of that. Is that a car movie? Is that a race movie? I don't know, because they did it again, and I thought they had Tupac in it, and it wasn't... Anyway, I don't know. <laughs> Never seen it. I just know Steve McQueen's in it, and I could be conflating it with another film. Right on. Interesting. Okay, cool. Well, yeah, we'll circle, we'll circle back when that comes out. But today... We're in the year 2011. And we're talking about War Horse. The movie is uh, Horse Wars. It's like Star Wars, but with horses. That's right. Horses in spacesuits with space helmets on. <laughs> I, I watched that movie. I'm a very simple man. <laughs> um, we watched War Horse from 2011, of course, directed by Steven Spielberg, starring a host of people such as Jeremy Irvine, Emily Watson, Benedict Cumberbatch, Tom Hiddleston, and I think that's all the big names. Yeah, and a whole bunch of like that guy, right? Yeah, like, like lots of that guy. Every person who shows up on screen is like, "Oh, look, it's that guy," you know, like the the landlord at the towards the beginning of the movie. He's uh, he's the werewolf. Yes, he's werewolf very guy. that guy. He's werewolf guy from Harry Potter. He's uh, oh, thank pro- you, professor, oh, Lord, professor werewolf could, guy, Loomis or whatever. I, yeah, uh, Lupin. I Lupin. could not place him for the life of me. Ugh. Thank yeah, you. My no brain problem. has relaxed now. Well, I had the same problem with Tom Hiddleston. Like, like he showed up on screen, and I was like, oh, I know this guy. Oh, I know this guy. But he looks like such a baby in this movie. You know, he looks so young. And, and so I was really thrown off. And I finally, I was watching it on Amazon. I rented it through Amazon. And, you know, they have that awesome thing uh, where you pause it, and it brings up all yeah. the actors in the current scene. And I saw it, and I was like, oh. Oh, geez, Louise, I didn't even know he was active back then, you know, like. Right, me either. But, and again, it's 2011. When was, like, Avengers Not or even that long Thor? after. <laughs> like, right, so it's right not around like. that time. Exactly. Um, time is moving at a different pace than we think it is. Uh, yeah, so definitely a, a big group of uh, names. And had you seen this before? So, okay, I think I mentioned that I took my kids to see Tintin in the theater. Um, and this actually, it was the weirdest thing, but it actually came out within a week of Tintin. It was like Spielberg, Spielberg, back to back, bang, bang. And uh, so, yes, we did go see this. And I remember how I said I was kind of underwhelmed with Tintin when I saw it the first time. Uh, it was the same with this. I, I was kind of underwhelmed by Warhorse when I saw it the first time. You know, it could have been the theater I was in. It could have been the response of my children. It could have been me expecting Saving Private Ryan World War One edition. I'm, I'm not 100% sure, but I remember walking out of the theater and just kind of being like, all right, that happened. You know, like there was a movie and there was a horse in it and uh, and so on. So... After that experience, I've never revisited this movie. Yeah. I'd never seen this and would have never seen it were it not for the podcast. Not the, I don't like horse movies. Not the sort of thing I'm going to fire up, 
Right. Yeah. Right. Same. I just I don't care. Like, um, I've never watched Sea Biscuit. I've never watched what was the other one you mentioned? Black Stallion. I like Black Stallion. I've never watched. I don't care. I'm not a horse guy. I'm a dog and cat guy. Right. Give me Homeward Bound a million times over. Even then, I don't go to the theater to watch dog and cat movies. But there are people, people who like horses, love horses. It's like a lifestyle, you know? And that I get, right? This yeah. This is probably for you. Yeah, I I, uh, I have some from some firsthand horse experience, and I do not like horses. Um, my, my father uh, remarried. At some point in the late '90s through the early 2000s, before that went kaput, and anyhow, his uh, his wife had horses. She had like a like a horse farm, and they took care anywhere between like three and ten horses in that place, depending on when you when you found them. They were like boarding other horses, they were breeding horses, and then there were like geese and ducks and cats and dogs and stuff. Uh, so you know, I did find myself there. Uh, dealing with the horses on occasion and kind of like humping hay up into the top of the barn and like, you know, doing horse care things. And as a result, I became very unimpressed with horses. Like, yeah. <laughs> before, before that, I was kind of like, ooh, a horse. I'm going to go up and I'm going to touch it. It's a horse. Ooh, maybe I can sit on that horse. And after that experience, I was just like, I'm to freaking horses. God damn it. You know, uh, so not not a horse guy, me. Yeah. Oh. Same. I don't have any stories around it. I just never got into horses. Yeah. And I think maybe it was more the people I knew who liked horses. Like, that was the only thing they cared about. And I just like, okay. Well, that's know. just it. It's I, like horse people are like really into horses. You know, yeah. like that's that's like the end all. Like, like My, this, this woman, like she was really into horses. Her whole life revolved around these horses. and And like- I just can't get down with that, you know. It's too much horse. Yeah, my uh, growing up, my my friend Scott, who you know and uh, has been on the show, uh, his mom big into horses, horse statues everywhere, everywhere. Loves horses. But, yeah. Um. So uh, that's an immediately strike off from me wanting to watch the movie, but um, I have seen it, and I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it <laughs> yeah oh i don't know what happened Me either. um there were so this movie's actually closer to like almost like you ever seen cat's eye with stephen king the stephen king movie wow i would have never made that comparison in a million years but yes yes yeah like a hundred percent yes this is like cat's eye jesus christ dude like where the what what where have I been all your did life? You pull that yeah. out of like that's insane, but yes, it is. Yeah, it, it, so it is sort of an anthology movie. That uh, if you haven't seen Cat's Eye, it's an anthology movie, and this cat sort of goes from place to place, and you get told these short thirty-minute stories. This is kind of like that. Um, this horse goes from different situations, uh, you know, pre-war, war, and then at the end, you know after the end of the war and along the way the main characters change you know at the beginning it's it's uh ted levine or whatever his name is who's no uh jeremy irvine his character has this horse that he's raising and then the horse goes to war and you're actually following um loki and benedict cumberbatch uh, you know tom hiddleston and then from there, the horse is this where I think the horse ends up. Uh, it ends up with uh, a, in in the, the young hands girl. Of the, no, the young German kids first. Like it's oh right, yeah. It goes to be an ambulance, and they're taking care of the horses that are pulling the ambulances. And, and that was the point when that story ended, where I realized, oh, this is an anthology. Yes, we are we're, getting we're short getting stories, little vignettes about what's going on in the war. Yeah, I liked that one too. That one was really good. Um, and then it goes to this young girl and her father, and then it goes to the trenches that the only thing I know about these trenches are from Wonder Woman, where the best scene in Wonder Woman happens at, at World War One, and it gets stuck in the barbed wire. 
that's my favorite scene. That's when I fell in love with the movie is at that scene. And then, you know, we get the reuniting with Jeremy Irvine. And so it's basically all these little stories with the through line of the horse. Yeah, I, I it, it did not take me that long to fall in love with the movie. I was like 40 minutes into the movie. Like the war hadn't even started yet. And I, I paused to go... Uh, get some snacks out of the kitchen my wife was in the kitchen i was like you are missing out this this horse movie is good as hell like, <laughs> like it's so entertaining right out of the gate i don't know what was going on with me the first time i saw it but uh like it really reminded me that first bit it reminded me of like an old 1950s hollywood like I, I don't know i don't know like it just had me from the start this time i was i was absolutely on board like the drunk guy at the auction buying the horse when he knew he shouldn't like right out of the gate in this movie i was i was just down for it you know um and and so as it went through i don't know i was i was just very involved like maybe it's because when I watched it, the kids were out of the house. And the house was quiet. My wife was out back working. I watched it on on uh, the TV. I cranked the sound because nobody was around, you know, and and just let it take me. And mm-hmm. and that's so special. <laughs> right out of the right out of the gate, it's beautiful. Like like the scenes of the pastoral English countryside, and like you get these like stellar sunsets and sky shots which which are so beautiful they feel like they're fake right like we talked about yeah. the last crusade sometimes when they're talking against the sunset and it looks fake and and you get that in this like it's it's so unbelievably beautifully photographed that you're like ah that can't be real but i think it is i think it is real i think they just found their moments you know and yeah. and filmed these scenes and, and what is it that they say in super eight production value right exactly so like i i just think like visually it's a very beautiful film i think story-wise it's a very engaging film it never gives you time to get bored like i texted you before i started because i saw the, yeah. a runtime and i was like <laughs> jesus christ this horse movie is two and a half hours what the hell like do i really have to sit and watch this horse for two and a half hours yes then, you do and then at the end i was like it earned every minute of that two and a half hours like i was never bored by this movie and like even with a half hour of the movie left it was still like that's when the movie really gets cranking you know because that's where the scenes with the the, the, the no man's land and all of that come into play oh. and i was like on the edge of my seat and of course you know obviously we're going to talk spoilers the scene where the horse is running through no man's land and it starts hitting the barbed wire and it just one after the other and like barbed wire barbed wire barbed wire and like i was all by myself in the living room going jesus christ stop <laughs> stop horse like what are you stop <laughs> it's getting all tangled up and everything i don't know man i was into it i was really into this movie yeah i i, I it did take me a little bit longer because on the first story of uh, Jeremy Irvine and the horse is kind of the horse movie. I don't like, come on horse, be the smart horse, be the special horse. Come on horse. (laughs) You gotta save the farm. And so that first bit, I'm like, Oh God, (laughs) here we go. Horse movie in full effect. Um, But as soon as I'll tell you the moment where I was like, Oh damn, for me and again spoilers if you haven't watched wars clearly we both like it so if you're interested we would recommend you go watch it a hundred percent yeah but the horse gets bought by tom hiddleston and you know benedict cumberpatch is there and they go charging in now this is like early gun days right i guess because nobody has like sidearms yeah like so I think it's it's early. We don't know what to expect from warfare in this era. You know, like they had guns back in the Civil War, right? Like, yeah, like the single. Yeah. The low, muskets, yeah, that's right. True. Um, but like at the time that Britain came into the war, German had been invading fools for a while. Right. And so in, in this sequence that we see these British guys come across the channel into France and they're going to confront the the Germans in France. And so 
honestly, I don't know what the hell they were thinking. Like, they must have been like, this is still old timey things and this is the way we do it. And they all get on their horses with their, with their like swords, their sabers, and they practice it the day before. There's this whole sequence where they practice it the day before and they're kind of like laughing and stuff. And they go rolling across the field into this German camp. And at first they hit like these tents and the Germans are totally caught unaware. They're sleeping, they're shaving, they're eating, you know, and you're like, oh, man, they are about to fuck these Germans up. And right. they, they get into the camp and they're like slashing people down and they're just like, ha ha, we are Britain. We are here on our horses. We all done it. <laughs> run, run you bastards and the germans make a break for a tree line and they get to the tree line and it reveals freaking machine guns in the like tree line guns. like the cranking ones <laughs> you know yeah and i'm like well they're screwed <laughs> and they are so screwed like yeah and so this is the, po- the point where i'm like okay now i'm getting into the movie because tom Middleston, who i think is it going to be carried? We're going to be with Tom for a good bit now, right? Because I know nothing about this movie. So uh, Tom's our guy, baby. He's dead, like right off rip. And yeah. they establish him as this really nice guy. You know, like when they per- the whole scene of them negotiating the purchase of the horse is actually kind of a little heartbreaking like he's got to sell this the dad has to sell this horse to save the farm and keep his family intact it's the only choice he has so he sells it to tom hiddleston to be his war horse and you know the kid comes you know after the sale is done is like no you know i'll buy him back whatever you know and tom hiddleston's like listen you know that i paid too little for this horse so let's call it a rental and this horse will be with me throughout the war and i'll bring him back to you and i'll make sure he's taking you know like they established this guy isn't some cold-hearted guy he's like i see how much this horse means to you the deal is done and i need your horse but i'm gonna do everything i can to bring your horse home to you yeah he's like needlessly kind right like he's overly kind especially in the scene where you're expecting these guys to be bastards i was a hundred i really thought tom hiddleston was going to be a prick about this yeah like i bought the horse son go home smack smack you know (laughs) that's not at all what happens he's like super cool about it very sensitive and in tune with this kid's like broken heart and uh yeah and so you're right you do think that tom hiddleston's going to be your guy and then he just gets mowed down with the rest of them. It's a great scene. Like, the way it's filmed well, is so great because you see all the dudes on the horses and you see the machine guns and they start going. And then you just see horses with no riders, like, crossing into the camp. And it's like, oh, shit. They are yeah, all Yeah, one of them dead. is our horse. Yeah, they are all dead. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a really great segment. At that point, yes. my son was walking through the room. And I paused the movie and I rewound it a little bit and was like, check these fools out. You got to watch. <laughs> these guys are idiots. Check this out. Because I was so into it. I just had to like share it with somebody. Yeah. Um. So that's when I started getting on board because I'm like, OK, all right. This isn't this isn't just some horse movie. Right. I, I it isn't Seabiscuit, which I've never seen and it might be incredible. I don't know. But um, yeah, I'm on board at that point. OK, OK, movie. Um. And I hadn't realized we were in an anthology yet, um, but this is where the horses run into the two kids, right? Right, yeah, the two young German soldiers. So the, the youngest one we know is 14, and the oldest one can't be older than like 16 or 17. Six, yeah. Yeah. And uh, they're in charge of taking care of the horses, right? So like, it seems like throughout the movie, there's the guy in the army who deals with the horses, right? And so at this point, it's these two kids. They're the horse people. And, uh, so they, they, the, the German commanders are like, just kill all these horses. Like, what the hell? We don't need these horses. And the guy, the kid's like, eh, maybe we can use some of them to haul, you know, pull the ambulance so we can get our wounded off the field. And the guy's like, oh, if you can do it, you can do it, you know? And so he, uh, he puts the, now, the halter Is this on. where the black horse comes in? This is where the black, no, no, black mm-hmm. horse comes in back. He's, he's Cumberbatch's horse. He gets uh, stalled. Okay. Yeah. yeah, our horse gets stalled next to Cumberbatch's horse, and that's where they be, be friends. And then they're like together for the rest of the movie, you know? Right. Um. 
So Black Horse doesn't want to take the halter to pull the ambulance. And uh, our horse, Joey, comes up and demonstrates how it's done to calm Black Horse down, you know. Which is a recreation of the scene where uh, Irvine's character does the same thing. Yeah. Right. Irvine puts his head in the in the halter thing. What what is it called? Collar. I think they call it the collar. Yeah, yeah, like a yoke. Yeah. Yeah, and and, and it's a recreation of that scene. Real it's really good. I, I, stupid horse movie. What they do really pulls you in. Like there are several yeah. occasions where where Joey saves Black Horse, right? Like our horse saves the other horse. And it's kind of just like how Am I buying? Am I like not buying this? <laughs> I think yep. I'm still buying it. Like I think I'm on yep. board. Like <laughs> this horse being smart enough to like swoop in and rescue the other horse, you know. Um, so yeah, so that's that's where the German kids come in. And long story short, the youngest one is way too young to be there, and they get like, well, he's hyped, right? He's ready to go to war. He like, is hyped because he's, he's excited to be there. Basically, they keep the oldest boy behind to to take care of the horses because he's good with horses. And they say, your brother, on the other hand, he's going to be, you know, infantry boots on the ground. Time for him to go. And I guess the kid had made a promise to dad or mom to say, I'm going to keep him safe. And uh, I loved this because he's like, I'm just going to do it. You know, <laughs> yeah. my loyalty to my parents is more important than my loyalty to this army. Uh, so he gets on our horse, bringing the black horse along, grabs his brother, like does a drive by. He does a drive by. Rides right by all the military, grabs his brother, throws him in the horse, and then they hide in a windmill. Yeah, they take off like a bat out of hell and hide in the windmill. And I guess their plan is to wait until night and then travel at night and get to a border or get just get away right because they they very visibly went a wall like it wasn't like they just yeah, disappeared no... from their tent they very visibly like like ran away from the army um so they're sleeping there and of course the german army does come find them most armies do not take very well to deserters it's uh just kind of a a thing that armies have about them and so this army comes and hunts them down in the windmill and uh, pulls them out and executes them, which... Wait, uh, did they get executed? Yeah. No. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. They, so they march them down, and they got them there with a firing squad, and it shows from behind the uh, the arms of the windmill, right? So the windmill is spinning, spinning, and as the windmill blade goes by, you hear the guns go off, and then the blade goes by, and they're laying their dead on the ground. Why I did not catch that. Oh. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't flinch away. They totally gun those dudes down. I'm gonna have to rewatch that scene. Um, that wow. Okay, movie. All right, yeah. I see you. Yeah. <laughs> I see what you're doing. So kind, kind of masterfully done, actually. Like it's a really cool, like cinematic moment. Like it's a good way to do it, and it's a good way to do it in a way where if you're watching with your kids, that. It's not. It's as, not. It's, it's not as super graphic. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like you see that these young people were just murdered, but like it's not. You know, their heads don't pop. You know. Okay. So <laughs> we're not watching Munich. <laughs> well, I, you know, like going into this movie for the first time, I didn't know if I was going to be watching Munich. You know, like it's a war movie, and so yeah, like you just you just don't know. And this is somebody who has you know definitely put the blood and guts on screen before. And, uh, but this time knowing that it wasn't as graphic as some of those others, I was pretty impressed with the war sequences, right? Like without being blood and guts and arms flying off and, you know, spurting crimson jets. Yeah. You know, uh, it was still pretty, pretty intense and effective, you know? Yeah, absolutely. World War One just never looks pleasant, but, uh, this, this was a particularly like, yeah, gross. Yeah really well done i mean it's like the guys made a bunch of movies before yeah um think (laughs) so now we go to the the young girl and her her dad who this story kind of felt like weird to me like almost like a transitional one like this just gets him from a to b i i actually 
this might be my favorite. Okay. Of, yeah. I'm here for you. Um, I thought the little girl that they cast was super charming, right? Like she, she was really, really charming and cute and kind of like clever. And I really enjoyed the relationship with her and her grandfather. Uh, and that would they, be Celine Buckins. Yeah, I guess she's a British uh, television actor still. Like, she still performs in some things or something. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, so so her parents are dead, and she has some sort of ailment. It's never really clarified what's wrong with her, but her grandfather makes a big deal. Like, if you fall off that horse, you are done. You know, I think like, she's like Mr. Glass almost. I It seemed like Mr. Glass, yeah. It's like, she said something bones, about- like she's bones that will break easily, whatever yeah. that's called. Yeah. So uh, essentially, she, the next day after the execution, she opens up the windmill and finds the horses in there. And so it goes from dark to light, like pretty quickly. And then there's maybe a 10, 15 minute segment where it's actually pretty cute. And she's like taking the horses and trying to train them. She doesn't really know about horses very much, but she's, you know, trying to teach them to jump. And uh, her grandfather's discouraging her from getting on the horses. But being a doting grandfather he eventually indulges her and buys her a saddle for her or no digs a saddle out of the basement for her birthday and uh she goes riding off over a hill and that's again where the next transition comes so it's pretty short um there is a scene where the germans come and raid their farm and take all their jam and berries and you know basically take their ability to make a living away from them to help feed the war effort um but in in all like i thought it was i don't know i was i was really engaged with it it was totally different i think but i was still really engaged with it yeah at this point i'm i'm bought in right it wasn't sappy that's what it is it wasn't sappy yeah like I, i was still like yeah, I was still down. There, I mean, there were moments I like when he f- lets her get on the horse, you know, and he's he's at some point he's like, I can't, you know, she's got to live life, right? Yeah, you know, yeah, you've got this bone or whatever illness, but who knows how long you're going to be around. If you want to ride a horse, let's get you on the damn horse, you know, and I appreciated that. Um, but it, it is it is a shorter one. Um, and I would outside of the opening would say it would be the part I was like not as bought into as some of the rest of it. Uh, I particularly like the next two um, segments. Uh, So the horses get taken by the Germans, you know, um, and both uh, our black horse and our lead Joey, and they get put in the hands of a the guy who cares for the horses who is a horse guy that's one of the things i i do kind of like about this movie there are several horse guys or girls yeah uh in the film that when they get their hands on the horse they they represent those people who love horses they care about the horses yeah yeah and this guy is a horse guy and he's you know um much like the the two young boys they're in the german army who would be our antagonist right um but this guy, even though he's in this German army and he's around all these people, basically these horses are just ridden to death, right? They're pulling ammunition until they die and then they attach the next horse and they run that one till it dies, right? Yeah. For a horse guy, this guy has like the shittiest horse guy job of them all. Like, yeah. because he's essentially in charge of keeping that chain of horses going and having fresh ones ready for when they just croak and fall out of line and uh <laughs> it's a bummer it's a bummer for a horse guy because yeah. like right out of the gate he's like oh it's a pity they found you oh it's so yeah sad. He even, and at first i thought it was almost like a i, I kind of like this because when you introduce to him you're not sure whether he is kind or not right like even the way he delivers that line to me it could, it's could almost be a little like, mustache twirling. Like, yeah, yeah, oh, the pity they found you. <laughs> oh, 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 French, I don't know. Um, but he, uh, you know, you come to find out he very much is like, so Black Horse has an injury. And so one of the f- head horses dies. So the, the leader of the army is like, bring up the next one. Bring up the Black Horse. That horse looks strong. Hook it up. And he's like, well, this one has an injury. And he's like, doesn't matter 
hook him up. So this is the other scene where Joey is like, whoa, like understands what's happening, knows that basically this horse is dead if he pulls this. They're going up a hill and they're pulling our ammunition and artillery, just big bed of lead, you know, and um, our horse jumps up, so, you know, kind of rears up and is like, I'll do it and hooks up and goes up the hill and it is like a it's a pretty good scene where they're showing the hooves in the mud like trying to keep going and i'd be interested to see um how much like peter or animal rights people were around um for this movie you know i read i read about it um so uh peter people or humane society people were on set a hundred percent of the time um and they uh gave this this movie a big old stamp of approval that you know it, it really took care of the horses um there was some scandal afterwards that perhaps a horse died during the making of the film and they covered it up but the horse didn't die as the result of the filming of the movie it was like something happened to it in transit or something um, yeah and so and since it was it's unclear if it ever even happened. You know, there's not a lot of detail on it. Um, but but as far as the actual production of the movie goes, um, supposedly it, it, the horses were very, very well taken care of, um, which is interesting because like a lot of the stuff in this movie looks pretty heinous. And uh, Dude, apparently there's only real. there's only three one second digital shots in this movie. Um, and I'm guessing one of them is the one where the horse like is trying to climb that thing and it falls back down on its side. I'm, I'm guessing that's one of them. Yeah. Um, but the rest of it uh, was all captured in camera. Like Spielberg went on record saying like he was proud of this movie because everything that you see in the movie they did for real. You know. Yeah. Um. So yeah, yeah that's except for the horse running through the barbed wire. You know, they use rubber. Be... They use rubber barbed wire. So they, well, well, there's the point where the horse at the end of that gets caught and flips over. That's CG or they killed a horse, you know, so I'm going to go with right. the CG. Um, <laughs> yeah. So they, second shots. Yeah. They get up here and, you know, Joey saves black horse. Well, it's already that horse is already kind of too far gone. You know, they even like look at the injury is like, yeah. And that horse ends up dying. Um, and this is where you get to see the sweet side of the guy who cares for the horses. Like he's very much like wanting this horse to live. And as the horse is passing, he's petting it, comforting it, you know, um, while everyone around him's like, leave it, get up, let's go. Come on. We got to keep moving. And he's just letting, trying to ease the passing that the horse is going through. So this is when it segues to, um, the next story where we get to the barbed wire where it runs but in between that we're kind of now caught up with Jeremy Irvine's character this is the young boy who raised the horse to begin with he is in the war he's in the trenches with uh, one of his friends that he grew up with and one of the scenes we didn't mention at the the first tale is when he's racing a car with yeah. the horse and there's the cute girl in there with this punchable face boy he's great like he the, uh, sometimes you just know casting directors like i want to punch this guy you're in you know like because he just so smarmy he's and the he's uh he's the landlord's son that's that's what oh, okay is. yes um and so they're racing the horse and he assumes the horse is gonna jump this wall and it doesn't and it bucks him off and you know it's pretty good uh, but he ends up fighting alongside this guy and he, uh, this kid is actually kind of a bit of a badass. This, this, this kid with his punchable face, right? Yeah. Like uh, three, three of the hometown guys end up together, which I guess was pretty common back then that you end up serving with people that you knew. And so it's the landlord's son and our, our main guy. Irvine and then uh his his other buddy who is just kind of like derping around town at the beginning of the movie yeah uh the three of them end up serving together and it's clear that the the rich kid 
it has some rank, right? Like he's he's maybe a sergeant as opposed to a private like the rest of them. Um, but he's not he doesn't have enough rank that he can avoid running through no man's land with the rest of them when they have to go up over the wall of the trench. He's with them, right? Right. And you'd think that this guy, to me anyway, my expectation would be he's going to be kind of a cowardly, you know, usually when you get these rich kids, he's a smarmy guy. And he's as soon as the gunfire starts going off, he's going to be the one hiding. But he's not. He like there's points where there's like explosions behind him and he doesn't even flinch. He's like, come on, get back in line. You know, like I'm like, dang, he's actually a leader like because he's pushing everyone to come on. He's not scared, you know. I kind of appreciated that little subversion for me. Yeah, me too. I I was I exactly like you thought he was going to be the smarmy guy, and and he actually ends up being like okay on several occasions. And uh, he he catches some lead there at a certain point, and our main guy uh kind of like humps him to safety in one of those craters and kind of leaves him there. Um, and our guy and derpy friend are a couple of the very few people that make it all the way across no man's land. And, uh, and then they catch a face full of gas cause Germany, you know? Yeah. Um, good stuff, man. <laughs> really good. Great segment. It's a great like, segment. And then it leads directly into the insane sequence with the horse running through no man's land, which is so good like it is so well done and like you said the explosions are going off and the horse is like trucking through the middle and dodging craters and like it's so amazing like yeah i absolutely loved it and it's catching all the the barbed wire on the way as we said and it gets flipped over and caught in the barbed wire and can't get up and you've got the two separate armies are in two separate trenches and in the middle is our horse caught in the barbed wire and one of the, the English guys is like, we got to go cut him free. I'm like, are you an idiot? You know, and he has his little white flag. They take a shot at him. He's like, you don't see this white flag? You don't see that? <laughs> and, and they're, but even the Germans, like some people on the German side, just kind of like I like about this movie is like, Germ, Germany's the enemy. And yet they have like, there's people here who just kind of caught right it's like i what am i gonna do like we saw the two guys get killed the two kids you know i got a fighter i'm gonna get shot and they're but they're horse guys or something because they're like we got to cut the horse out you can't here they are in a war shooting their fellow men and there are there's something about animals and again i'm not a horse guy but when if like in kickboxer when that dog gets shot i'm upset not the dog, you know, um, where they're like, come on, we got to get the horse free. And so, yeah, I feel this probably my favorite scene in the film. It's a very human moment, you know, and I also really appreciated this segment a lot um, because I, I think that it's true. Like in wars on both sides, there are people there that just uh, they don't necessarily want to be there in those trenches. And both sides in this conversation are real clear. Like, yeah, this sucks. Like, we, like you're here and I'm here. Neither of us want to be here. But here we are. Um, have you ever seen a movie uh, called A Midnight Clear with Ethan Hawke and Gary Sinise? No, it's a great movie. It's uh, I'm going to say like late 80s, early 90s. But it's it's essentially about this uh, this moment in I think it's World War One, but it could be World War Two, um, where like these these British guys or maybe they're Americans and the German guys find themselves kind of like in this valley during a snowstorm, and they realize that for one reason or another. God, it's been so long. Long story short, they kind of like pause the war in this valley yeah. for a little time and like end up playing baseball and hanging out. And then, you know, at the end, unfortunately, the war has to start up again, you know, like like reality sinks back in. But it's just about this brief moment of respite where these young guys can just be young guys for a yeah. little while you know regardless of the geopolitical situation and all the horse shit you know like they they actually uh kind of befriend each other um in a very hesitant 
very much like this scene except stretched through a whole movie um and that's really what this reminded me of and i know in in the real war this happened you know like like this happened on a large scale in certain points like there were points in world war one where they would on schedule stop the war and go out and play soccer, you know, <laughs> or whatever, you know, yeah. which is which is really just mind blowing. But again, like these people don't necessarily want to be like, there doing this. You know, it's a nightmare for everybody. Yeah, it just kind of really puts a, a point on the whole like if it weren't for a handful of leaders in each nation, you know, people might actually get along okay. You know, that's how I feel about it anyway. You know, we might be okay. You know. But yeah. um so they they you know, he gets to the horse and he does ah he can't get the thing out. And so one of the German guys comes with bolt cutters or a pair of them. No, just one, because then he's like, uh, can you got any more bolt cutters? And you see like every like ten to twenty bolt cutters go over the mound. In, they throw them in because, like, there's a lot of horse guys over there, I guess. Like, they're on board with what's happening. Yeah. I think, yeah, and, I, I, everybody from both sides is on board. And the, the great part is when they free the horse and they start getting this little, like, testy exchange about who's taking the horse because they both oh, work yeah, together yeah, yeah. to free the horse. And they eventually agree to uh, to flip a coin. And then, you know, like, like gentlemen, abide by the coin flip. I loved know? that. I loved how he gracefully was like yep fair enough you know like at that point he'd lost the coin flip he's like yep all right you know and i really like the segment where the guy the the british guy's like hey man i'm not a very good shot most of mine go wide you know and i kind of felt like that was him saying i'm not gonna kill you you know i'm not gonna take shots at you and yeah. he goes keep your head down buddy you know like we're both kind of in this together even though we're on opposite sides I loved it. I loved that's when I was like, okay, I love this movie. This is like like a little bubble of beautiful humanity inside of this war and it's just like ah. Yeah. Really loved it. Me too. Me too. And then and then I knew what was going to happen with the final segment. Um but it still really worked for me. You know, like like anybody that watches movies can tell you that our main character doing the owl thing and calling the horse is going to come back at the end of the movie. Yeah. Right. And so essentially what happens is, you know, he is laid up. There's this miracle horse. He instinctively, like he's been keeping an eye out for his horse throughout the entire war. He instinctively does the whoop, whoop, you know, and the horse, like they're on the verge of killing the horse. Cause the horse is so beat up. It's not going to, you know, survive. And, uh, they, the two are reconnected in a very cool and cinematic and maybe not realistic, but still very emotionally impactful way. Um, yeah, and- it is a bit on the hammy side, just a bit where, you know, like he can't see because of the gas. Like, and so now he has to prove that this is his horse and our horse has some very distinctive features, most notably this diamond patch on its forehead uh, between the eyes. Yeah, and they can't they can't see the the features, and so they get a bucket of water and clean it off. And sure enough, everybody realizes like, oh damn, this is one of those things. Like this is yeah. this and, is one of those miracle moments. This really is this kid's horse. Yeah, and and the part that kind of seals it for me that is is good, even though it's like okay, all right, it's a little sappy. That's okay, that's okay. Uh, but the part that I was okay with was when the one of the leaders is like, take this horse back to the infirmary and treat it like the soldier that it is. And I was like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. That, I, and I was like, okay, I'm, I'm in. That's what I'm like. Damn it. I like this horse movie. It's like <laughs> one of the things I've said on this podcast, I don't really like war movies and I don't like horse movies. This movie is literally called war horse. And I'm like, damn it. It's good. <laughs> Oh, I like a horse movie. I have to sacrifice my values for loving the horse movie. (laughs) Yeah. And then the the last little bit is uh, the army still has to sell the horse. Right. Like, yeah. So there's a a kind of moment at the end and little girls 
little girl from the middle of the movie's grandfather shows up to buy the horse. Little girl, it turns out, has been killed. And he's going to buy the horse because, uh, basically, in memory of her. It's the only thing that she really loved. And the horse is so extraordinary that as soon as anybody hears about an extraordinary horse, they know it's this horse, right? And uh, he ends up buying the horse. And it looks like all is lost because our guy can't afford to buy the horse. And then once he realizes what's going on, he gives the horse to our guy who rides it back home. Yeah. And then he sees his mom and his dad. I really God, like we forgot to even talk about. So his dad had been in war. And one of the things that is kind of throughout this movie is this war like um, piece of cloth that has some symbolic meaning for when his dad was in the war. And like the final shot of the movie or one of them is he goes and he's like, there's a point in the early part of the movie where he's like, I don't get dad. You know, he's an alcoholic. He's drunk all the time and he does stupid crap and he's selling my horse. And he just kind of there's this little bit of, um, you know, vindictiveness towards his dad. Uh, and at the end of the movie, after this kid has been to war, he's been through the shit. He gets home, hugs his mom, and goes to see his dad and hands him back this piece of cloth. There's like a moment there to me that's unspoken. It's like, oh, I get it, Dad. That yeah. I found just so wonderful and like puts a bow on this damn movie that is so good. <laughs> like I just it's so many things that it's just like brilliant like there are moments when we watch these movies and i'm like damn it maybe steven spielberg is lucky we watch some crap sometimes or things that are just fine and then you see other things where you're like damn this guy is good yeah damn this yeah. guy is good and that scene was like just the the exclamation point on a on a just a wonderful movie yeah yeah i i, I absolutely agree and it was one of those things, and we've talked about having this feeling before on the podcast where you're watching and you're like, do I dig this? I think I dig that. And it's like a surprise, right? Like, yeah. And that's, that's, that's what I got right out of the gate with this movie. And I kept waiting for it to turn because I was like, but I didn't like this before. Like, when are we going to get to the part that I don't like? And then yeah. I realized like halfway through the movie, we're just not. Like, I wasn't yeah. like, I was, I was like, <laughs> in the mood. In, then. I had a hangover. I don't know. Like, I just, I wasn't in the right place for it when I watched it before. Um, because, yeah, I mean, everything worked for me in this movie. Like, right at the beginning that damn goose running around on the farm. Like even the goose worked for me, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, it just made me laugh every single time it started chasing somebody. I hate a goose. I hate a goose. Geese here are protected. Like you're not allowed to run the geese over and the geese cross. You the shouldn't be running geese <laughs> over. I'm not saying I really would run the geese like you're over. aiming for them. Well, I mean, I'm just saying like, I can no. imagine, I can imagine running a goose over like geese and raccoons are like my two like man I hate. I, I hate these fuckers you know and they, like a goose thinks it's a dinosaur but it's a goose right like there's like ah! and they chase after you and their arms go out you know and they run at you like a t-rex but it's a fucking goose and <laughs> i <laughs> I loved watching this movie because this goose totally goes into full t-rex mode like half the time it's on the screen and uh yeah, it, it makes me laugh. It makes me so laugh just, from a distance. In real life, I'm like, I'm going to kick that goose in the neck. Like, watch me. I never have kicked a goose. I won't. I would not kick a goose, yeah, really. But I, goose, I fantasize man. about kicking geese. <laughs> These are the sorts of daydreams that this go is on like, in my head. Let's just go back and listen to our Gremlins episode at the end when he starts talking about <laughs> cooking gizmo in oil or whatever. Cooking. I didn't say you like, yeah, I bet him. he tastes good. Something like that. <laughs> That's incorrect. I do not. It's so, on. It's on record. You know. Okay. Maybe you didn't say you'd cook them, but you said you'd kill them. You hit him. Put him in a bag and swing him against a tree. I think you said. Yeah, that might be something I said. So, you love Homeward Bound. Mm. You're a Homeward Bound guy. Love. I'm a Homeward Bound stan. Yeah. Does this get you in like the same place, like the Homeward Bound feels, or does this feel a little different? Um, not quite as like hard like that 
you know how when you're watching a movie and you just feel it coming, you're like, oh God, here it comes, like the swelling yeah. of the music and the, like shadows coming over the hill and the kids going to hug. I'm like, oh, oh God. Not quite as hard as Homeward Bound hits me. Again, it's dogs and like, you know, I just, uh, it's a little bit different. I will say when he hands that thing back to his dad and you get that moment of, I understand your pain that hit me because my dad was an alcoholic and, you know, and just being like, I see you that gets me. Um, I don't think it hit me as hard as like for some homeward bound just does it for me. And I don't know why. And people laugh every time I bring it up. Like the first time I said, it, you're like, <laughs> but it does. It gets me when shadows down in the pit and chance comes down and he's trying to come on. You got to get up. You got I'm like, <laughs> oh, fuck, here we go. Oh, wait, is Homeward Bound the one where the animals actually talk? Like, they have actors being the... Yeah, Michael J. Fox. Michael J. Chance. Fox. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. so good. Yeah, I've seen that. Oh, come on, man. I've seen Homeward Bound 2 also. Oh, no, Homeward Bound 2 is hot garbage. Yeah. they. I don't I don't acknowledge its existence. Anyway, so to answer your question, I, I, I don't think it hits as hard emotionally for me, but there are still some moments that are like, it's a more well-made film. Um, and I think there's like a difference. There's like, is it a better film? If you could be objective, I would say objectively, it's probably better. But Homeward Bound is like just a in warm your, piece of heart. pie to me. Yeah, yeah, it's something special about that for me. Yeah, no, I get it. Yeah, I, uh, interesting. I I was trying to think if there were any animal movies that really hit me like like this one does anymore and it's funny because when i was a kid they all worked for me um there was one that came out uh on disney plus when it was new that i really enjoyed about like the snow dog running through the snow i can't remember what it was called but uh green goblin was in it and oh hell uh, yeah (laughs) I i really liked that that was a good one um so they get me in the moment but it's not something that i necessarily like want to revisit you know that often uh, but this one, I feel like it's kind of a keeper, you know, like, I think I am going to watch this again. I think I am going to show it to my younger kids when they get a little older. Like, it's it's really good. Yeah, I. but I think for me, I, I think the difference between this and Homeward Bound is it's not the animal I'm attached to. I don't know that there's a point where I'm like totally in on Joey. It's those my my favorite moments are the human ones. Um you know, that work for me. Like when they're washing the horse off, like the, what gets me is that the annoying punchable face guy who's was driving the car back home is one of the people who chipped in money so he could buy his horse back. Yeah. That's yeah. more of a moment I'm into. Like, I'm like, okay, you know, even he gets it right. You know, um, that moment where, you know, things become clear about what's really important. And that's what I like about this movie. I care yeah. about the animals in Homeward Bound, right? You know, <laughs> that's the difference. This movie made me think about like the smartness of animals, like this, the sentience of animals and like their ability to put two and two together and so on. And it's always something that I struggle with, like low key always um okay just because you know i am a meat eater i eat meat i like bacon i like you know hamburgers um but then you know you read you read all this stuff like an adult pig is as an intelligent as a six-year-old human child right that's pretty damn smart i have a six-year-old He's pretty smart. He's pretty with it. He knows what's going on. And you you read about, like, as they're bringing the pigs into slaughter, they know what's going on and they flip out and they sometimes have heart attacks because they're so wow. freaked out about sliding down that chute because they know what's happening. Um, and so I struggle, like, with the idea of 
the sentience of animals, like their ability to reason and their awareness of what's going on and, and the different levels of that that animals have. Because like this this horse is clearly very smart. Like it like he's an extraordinary horse. Right. But it the the movie implies that that horses have relationships with other horses, right? And friendships and they're capable of not just like empathy, but also nobility and self-sacrifice and uh things like that and i don't know the whole thing makes me feel like a shitty person and because <laughs> I, <laughs> I continue to just be like oh sausage is the best <laughs> and uh you know like like as time goes on like more and more they're saying like oh this animal is actually much smarter than you think it is right like like freaking lobsters and yeah uh octopuses and you know like so many animals are capable of reason and somehow just because we evolved faster we've some by by default become the stewards of the planet right and we're pretty shitty stewards of the planet we're very poor caretakers of the other animals on the planet and even if we did want to eat them like there's way better ways to go about it than the way we do you know it's just like this mass industrial farming slaughterhouse nightmare of blood and guts and it's gross and you know uh i don't know yeah it it made me because the way the horses are treated in this movie is amazingly unethical depending on Mm -hmm. whose whose hands they're in right like the in the hands of the german army it's just a grind mill and they've got this like crazy pit of dead horses off to the side with all these horse corpses laying there that made me think about one time when i was at the track when i was in high school my buddy and i would go to the track we'd sneak off and we were too young to bet but we would bet anyhow and uh they had uh, carriage races there where the horse with the carriage pulled behind it and the dude rides in the carriage right and uh we were there one time and this horse won the race and they trotted over to the winner's circle like at the end of every race the horse goes to the winner's circle they take a picture and moves on and the horse just freaking fell dead in the in the winner's circle wow and i was like oh shit like that horse just raced and then just died. Like it just died. And then like they bring out this truck and the truck's got this giant like bucket on it and a crane and they like strap the course and they lift it with the crane and they throw it in the bucket and they drive it off and they start the next race. Right. <laughs> and it's kind of like, Oh, that makes me feel a little more shitty about the races. <laughs> like, yeah. Like we're just using these animals until they drop, you know? Um, and so so I, I have a story that's come to mind. Uh, a couple things about like the eating, eating the animals, and I there there's an ethical way to do it. And obviously, I think neither of us are going to stop eating meat at this point. Who knows? But it's also one of those things where I'm like, I get it. Like I never make fun of anyone who chooses not to because I'm like, honestly. Oh, absolutely not. I consider them to be stronger than me. Like right. that's yeah. that's essentially well it. like done, you have more you know? well willpower than me. Good job you, you know. Yes. Uh now but at the same time evolutionarily we meet, right? And there are plenty of animals and it's and it happens in nature. Right? Yeah. Carnivores are a thing. So, maybe we could be doing it better. But the the thing that when you're talking about the sentience of animals, even so I remember we had mice in our house years ago Uh, and, uh, you know, I saw them running and chasing each other in the living room. Oh, shit. Because I thought my sister was full of it because she's like, there's mice like we couldn't find them. And then one day I see them chasing each other. I'm like, oh, damn. So we bought some traps and they were the glue traps, which are hideous. Right now. I know. Right now. I know. Um, But. Uh, you know, the two mice get caught in it and I'm like, oh, and one of them kind of got killed in it. It like nosedived and suffocated. And the other mouse was like shaking it, trying to wake it up. And I was like, oh, that, that was hard. Right. Cause I'm like, fuck, like that mouse with its tiny pea brain knows this mouse and wants it to wake up. 
that fucked me up pretty good. So I don't use glue traps. <laughs> like cause yeah. it's just like horrible. Uh, and I would love to try any time. Uh, now, I have cats, so they're fucked if they get in my house. Sorry, bro. But um, I feel like that's more humane than because <laughs> at least it's like nature uh, happening in my house. Uh, but um, yeah, so I'm with you, like the whole sentience of animals. And uh, like you said, if you're a vegetarian or a, a vegan, hey, well done. You know, but, like then- then you on the sleep other side easy of the at coin, night. On the other side of the coin are raccoons, right? Which are some of the smartest like neighborhood animals there are, right? They're able to like manipulate objects and solve puzzles and open doors and like rip the lids off the trash cans. And uh, I feel like for me, raccoons are like murder on sight. Like I hate them. <laughs> because they make such a freaking mess of everything raccoons got into our sunroom roof and it cost us like 10 grand because we had to have the roof ripped off and replaced because these goddamn raccoons can't help but get into everything so then there's this other side of it where i'm like "Mm, you know uh, you're real smart i really really hate you so yeah, I'm a walking contradiction, I guess, when it comes to Well, these it's like armadillos in my neck of the woods is kind of the, I don't really run into raccoons that much. I think they're around, uh, but armadillos, on the other hand, I see all the time and they're nasty, leprosy carrying creatures. Plus they're ugly, which makes them easier to kill, um, you know. Yeah. We, uh, every now and then we'll have the trapper guy out here to kind of just gather stuff uh from our house because like our backyard is pretty sizable so we get like deer out there and and all sorts of different animals and the last time he caught two raccoons a possum and a skunk um so there's all sorts of crap running around back there but the raccoons they're my they're my enemies plus (laughs) plus they're just kind of gross do you, you know what happens when you catch a raccoon in a cage you know what it does probably craps all over i don't know it beats off. It sits there and... <laughs> no, it doesn't. It really does. Look it up online. When they well, get bored... Well, what the hell else are you going to do? <laughs> like, if you get in jail, like, when you go to jail, 50 bucks, a $1,000, I bet you're going to be slapping it if you were in jail. You're I not swear that to God, Who the hell I are you judging this raccoon? I swear to God, they make eye contact while they're doing it. I swear... <laughs> <laughs> on hey, a stack they of win on the psychological games you win raccoon you win oh that's funny all right on that note uh what do we got coming up next all right uh i believe we got lincoln um it's oh about shit s- that's next I, I let me double check because last time you said that i was wrong and we watched movies out of order um but I do believe so. Ba, ba, ba. Man, I can't believe we're there already. Like, we're we are really close to done. It, it's, yeah, it's we're when we started seeing these actors who are like modern actors we watch today, and like I'm like, damn, like Marvel actors, Tom Hiddleston. You know, like yeah, man, we are kind of getting there. Uh, yeah, Lincoln. Right, so we got oh, Lincoln, that- Bridge of Spies, BFG, Post, Ready Player One. West Side Story, and then the Fablemans. That's um, awesome. That's awesome. Lots there. of bonuses in between, specifically the Jurassic World films, which I cannot wait to be done with, because um, I was sick of dinosaurs by the second one. Well, nothing says we have to do the Jurassic World yeah, We kind of do. We kind of, we've made the commitment. Okay. Yeah, I'm fine with but doing But in saying. between each of those films, there will be a core Spielberg film, so it won't be too bad. Yeah, I'm psyched for Lincoln. I have never seen it. I've always wanted to. I love Daniel Day-Lewis. Um, I, I, I have really high hopes. I don't want to get them too high. Cause then, you know. Sally Field is in it. Also, oh, Sally Field is the voice of Sassy from Homeward Bound. Get <laughs> on it. I do like Sally Field. You ever see Soap Dish? That's a good one. No, She's- I always think of Forrest Mom, though. Like, that's... <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. Sally Field, and I'm always jealous of the the school head of the, the school. school guy. The guy who yeah, comes over. Yeah, I always and get a little jealous. I'm like, damn. You got to go back and watch some like uh, Smokey and the Bandit for like prime prime Sally Field 
hottage seventies action, shall we say? Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> Sally Field chronologically coming soon to your podcast feed. Um, if you want to get in touch with us, you can do so on Twitter at Spielberg Chrono. Uh, you can check out Eric on Twitter at Eric underscore Hotter. I'm at Podcast by Jeff. You can check out GamingNexus.com for all of Eric's written reviews of video games. Uh, I also have other podcasts. You can check out the movie Draft House, which is more movie talk, uh, but not as focused on one director, a little more shotgun blasty of movies of all types. Also, I have another podcast going on right now, a mini series called the 10 week pro wrestling uh, crash course, where I teach our friend Elliot all about uh, pro wrestling. He doesn't know a thing. Excellent. All right. Anyway, well, on that note, we will uh, see you in two weeks for Lincoln. There you go. Bye. Bye.